you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. We have a God, and he's still on the throne, and we have absolutely nothing to be concerned about. You know, the Bible tells us to cast all of our care over on him because he cares for us. Thank God he's, he's still in authority. He's still sovereign. He's still in power. And guess what? He loves us and he is ever watchful of us. The Bible says he is a very present help in trouble. Isn't that right? So, I mean, he's just right here with us in this. And so what do we need to do? We need to engage him. We need to lean into him, listen to what he's saying, even in that still small voice, that whisper, to know what we should say, how we should respond to what's happening in our nation right now. So Lord, we bless you today. And we ask you that you would lead us now as we open up your precious word. Help us to be right on point with you, in sync, walking with you, speaking on your behalf, praying what we ought to pray, being led by the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would do that for us, as you promised to do. You said, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So we acknowledge you now, Lord. Direct us today, your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, those of you that are here, relatively few, come on, let's clap our hands in agreement. If you're watching, you can do that same thing if it's appropriate for you. And if you have a Bible, get it out right now, because this is the time where we're going to open up the Word of God and let God talk. Oh, there's a lot of talk going on today. Is that right? There are a whole lot of people talking, talking, talking from different angles, different opinions. And uh, let me tell you, some of it is quite concerning. Others of it is dismissive about certain things that are happening. But we need to say, Lord, what are you saying? Speak by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. So if you have a Bible, any kind of Bible, let's declare this right now. Let's say it together. Ready, go. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that would change my life forever. If you have a Bible, I want you to open up to a couple of places. Open up to the 20th chapter of the book of Psalms, the biggest book in the Bible, right about in the middle. Psalm 20. And then... Hold your place there and open up also to the 12th chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12. Obviously, there's a lot going on in our nation right now. Obviously, we need to attend to that. We don't need to ignore what's happening. We need to acknowledge what's happening, but we're acknowledging God in the middle of this. And so we're going to play our part as the body of Christ to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and to take the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. But I want to start here today in uh, Psalm 20. And let me just tell you what the title of this is today. Two major battles. Somebody's saying two, huh? Well, there are a lot of battles. People talk about a lot of battles. You know, some people would say, hey, there's a fight for equality. 
Some people say there's a fight for justice. Other people say there's a fight for life. There's a fight for religious liberties. There's a fight for God, etc. etc. There's so many battles that seem to be being waged right now. But let me tell you about two major battles that are happening right now that we must engage. And I want to start here in the 20th chapter of the book of Psalms. And I want us all to read out loud the seventh verse. Once we read it, some of you will recognize it. And it's very popular, uh, but it's not quoted often enough in times like these. So let's all say this together. Those of you at home as well, if you can, just read out loud. Psalm 20 and verse 7, reading loudly and together, let's read. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Come on, let's all do it together. Everybody here in the room, nice and loudly. Ready? Go. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots. Now, let me try that again because, you know, there are different translations. So let me try it again. Ready? Some trust in Republican leadership. Nobody has that translation. And some in Democrat leadership. But we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Huh? That's not that's not what yours says. In other words, people have dependencies. People have faith and confidence in certain things. Let me let me read something else. OK, some trust in money. Come on. Others in power, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. In other words, it's easy for us as human beings to attach our dependency on things that we think we have to have. We have to have those. I remember when Jesus was there with 5,000 men plus women and children. We don't know how many there were, 10, 15, maybe even 20,000 people or so. And Jesus said, uh, the, well, the disciples said, send them away. They're hungry. They, they need to go eat. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they said, well, well Lord, do you want us to go spend 200 denarii and buy enough food for this huge crowd? And in essence, Jesus said, money? Why would you think we have to have money? We have the Lord. Tell them to sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. And so they sat down and he said, well, what do we have? Oh, we have five little loaves and two little fish. Well, give them to me. Let's see what God can do with this. Let's see what God can do with this situation. Let's see what God can do. See, Jesus knew when God comes on the scene, God can do anything in any situation. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Amen. Our God can do anything in any situation with any situation. Our God always knows what to do. And so, of course, Jesus, I love this. All four Gospels have the feeding of the 5,000. And I love that the Bible says, and Jesus looked up to heaven. What is he doing? He's saying, well, my, my dependency is certainly not on these five loaves and two fish. Our, dependently, our dependency certainly should not be on this politician or that politician or this party or that party. No. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Watch this. But we, but we, what does that mean? Who's we? That's the people of God. 
Is that right? In other words, we're not supposed to be among those that put our faith in something other than God. Some trust in chariots thinking, well, you know, when you're in battle back in ancient days, if you, your army has chariots, oh man, you have a tremendous advantage. That would be like the state of the art weaponry that uh, the United States would have today. State of the art. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. What would, what would horses be? Well, man, they can carry a lot of troops very quickly and being up high, they could really dominate their enemies. So it would be maybe more conventional warfare, but nonetheless, very proven. But notice this, but we, but we. Folks, God is looking at his people and saying, hello, why are you thinking that all your hope rests on certain political leaders or certain even fights and battles? And if you win and make progress in those battles, then you're really secure. We are not secure. In fact, let me just quote something that's not in my notes. But the Bible says in Psalm 127, verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. But I want to get to the second part. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You can have the watchman staying awake. I mean, armed, alert, ready. But if God's not guarding the city, that city is not safe. If God's not guarding the nation, that nation is not safe. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> I don't care how much military might you have. It doesn't matter how much economic power and force you have, political influence you have. If God is not with us and protecting us, we are not safe. Amen. Let me read it again. Some trust in chariots. Some, everybody say some. In fact, let's say this. I want you to say this out loud. Say some other people. Come on, let's not identify with those folks that put their confidence in man. Some trust in chariots. And watch this. And some in horses, say some other people, <laughs> trust in horses, but we, say that out loud, say, but we, but we will remember, we'll remember the, name the, <laughs> the name of the Lord our God. Praise God. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. He is our victory. He is our strength. He is our wisdom. He is our protection. Come on. See, when I'm asking you these questions, you give me the right answer. Oh, yeah, we're, we're with the Lord. That's right. We put our dependency on the Lord. OK, is that the way you talk all day long, though? When these other situations come up, is that the way you talk? Because that's the way we ought to talk all the time if we really believe it, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Isn't that right? God is calling us to begin to put our confidence in him, not just while we're at church, in church, thinking about God. But all the time, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we. Don't you love that? But we, but we, but we. We are in a different category than everybody else in this world, the people of God. But we will trust. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. We're going to put our hope and our trust in him. Now, look over at the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew. And while you're turning there, let me quote to you from Ephesians 6, 12. We've been over it before. We're going to talk about two major battles. And the whole time we're talking about this, we're going to remember and trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
two major battles. But Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we, for we, we who? We who trust in the Lord, we believers, for we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We, we, we. Now other people, they're trusting in other things. Other people are battling human forces. But we are trusting in the Lord and we don't wrestle with the flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We have battles that we fight as people of God. That doesn't mean that we don't vote or stand for right and wrong in various areas. We should. However, we don't wrestle like everybody else. We don't fight like everybody else. We do it differently. Now let's look here at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. And I want to key in on the 25th verse. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Isn't that an interesting translation? I wouldn't say necessarily that this is the most precise translation from the original text. But, he, but the translators here are trying to give you an idea of what Jesus is talking about. When a nation gets divided against itself, like in a civil war, well, it's vulnerable to being destroyed. This is what Jesus is saying. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family, everybody say family. Family, a town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So, well, we're definitely not going to stand for civil war or anything like that. We're going to stand for unity. But I wanted you to see what Jesus said. The New King James says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or town divided against itself shall not stand. So the most obvious battle we're facing today that's right there in front of our eyes is for the unity of the people of our nation here in the United States. It's an obvious battle. And many people would put different names on it. We're standing for this, standing for that, fighting for this and fighting for that and such. But nonetheless, underlying all of it is we are not in unity. Did you know you could disagree and be in unity? Did you know you can disagree and be in unity? Family members disagree, but that doesn't mean that we have to fight each other and throw each other out the house. Isn't that right? Just because we don't agree. Can you imagine every time a husband and wife disagreed, one of them would throw the other one out of the house? Can you imagine that? No. We, we can disagree, but still be in unity. In other words, we still agree on how we fight. We fight fair. We fight righteously. Right? We have these disagreements, but we do it civilly. And so... This battle that we're fighting here is not to solve all the problems so that everybody agrees on everything. Wouldn't that be nice? But that's not reality. That's just not the way life works. However, we need unity. We need to come to unity about how we discuss things, how we resolve differences and such. Among normal societal dif differences, there are two completely incompatible worldviews 
in our nation, which when coupled with our democratic form of government, cause our nation, our strong nation, the superpower, the sole superpower really of the world, still, when you look at it, the sole superpower still of the world, we still hold quite a dominant edge over every other nation in this world. But these two completely incompatible worldviews coupled with our democratic form of government cause our nation to be vulnerable to collapse based on what Jesus said. Every kingdom that is divided against itself is brought to desolation. One of our great and spiritual, by the way, founding fathers, John Adams, said this. He said, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate, W-H-O-L-L-Y. It is wholly, completely inadequate to the government of any other. In other words, as Americans continue to denounce God and ignore his moral standards, instead of seeking freedom from sin through God, they seek freedom from God to sin, then this government of the people, by the people, and for the people begins collapsing because the people themselves have become corrupt. Our founding fathers told us this, that for this democratic government of the people, by the people, for the people to work, then the people themselves have to have morality. And when we decouple ourselves from morality, well then this form of government of the people, by the people, and for the people begins collapsing. Why? Because the people themselves who are the government are corrupt and therefore the governance is corrupt. Listen to what Psalm 53:1 says. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart. Notice he didn't say the fool has said publicly. Not everybody who in their heart said, well, I'm going to live my life as if there is no God. Because I don't believe it's going to be consequential. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. The fool, the fool. On the contrary, Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You have two completely different worldviews. One recognizes that there is a God and therefore we must be subject to his ways and his laws. And then there's the other side who says or acts as if there is no God and there are no laws that we're subject to. We should all be able to do whatever we want to do. These are two completely incompatible worldviews. Though the Republican Party's platform is known for its outspoken recognition of God, religious liberties, and the life of the unborn, it is also well known that there are many God-fearing people in the Democratic Party who feel that they must stand on that side of the aisle for things like justice, compassion, and equality. I personally know genuine believers who love God and are trying to stand according to the Bible, stand on God's word, using scripture, justifying where they stand. I know people on both sides of the aisle that are saying, I cannot understand why 
they could ever vote like they're voting. And these are, I, I'm telling you, I know for a fact. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruits. I know for a fact that the people I'm talking about are genuine believers on both sides. Genuine believers on both sides. So this brings us to now the second major battle that we're dealing with in our nation. And I believe that it's even more consequential. It's the battle of the unity of the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the agreement on every issue, but I'm talking about the unity of the body of Christ. You remember what the Bible says? If my people, not if half my people, part of my people, no. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And do you remember what Jesus said in the 18th chapter of Matthew, the 19th and 20th verses? Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them of my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Well, we've been able to get a lot of things done just by a relatively few of us praying. However, when you have people in the body of Christ that are praying different directions, praying that different things happen, opposing things happen, and believing, at least many of them, I wouldn't say all of them. We know not every person who is, you know, a quote unquote Christian or believer has their heart right before God. You know that and I know that. But there are people genuinely on different sides of different issues praying that God will do different things. Very opposite things. Is that right? Very opposite things. And here's God listening to this. And how are you going to answer both prayers at the same time? How are you going to answer both prayers at the same time? You can't. And this is a strategy of the enemy. The enemy knows if I can divide the body of Christ, if I can get Jesus' body, the people of God, divided against themselves, pointing the finger at one another, then I can minimize the power, mitigate the authority that the body of Christ has in this earth and continue to move on and do what I want to do. See, that's a strategy of the enemy. And this is why we have two major battles that are going on. We have a battle for the unity of our nation, the soul of our nation, some would say. And we also have a battle for the unity in the body of Christ. And I would dare to say the battle for the second is the greater battle. And here's why. Because as we come into the unity of the faith in the body of Christ, our authority begins to work better. Our influence begins to be more effective. Our influence as salt and light in this nation begins to make more of an impact. And so we must give attention to this as well, the unity of the body of Christ. And this is a big reason why the whole New Testament repeatedly admonishes us about this. For example, Romans 15, 5, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may be with one mind. How many minds? One mind. You're thinking alike. That doesn't mean on every little issue but on the way that we approach this whole thing we're of one mind. Watch this. And one mouth. What does that mean one mouth? That means that we are standing with the truth of God's word coming out of our mouth and we're all in unity about what is right and what is wrong, what is the right approach and what is the wrong approach because we're all going according to God's word. The Bible is the only thing that can unify us, God's word. That's why he sent it. 
because we all have so many opinions and we all think our opinions are right. Is that right? Backed up. How many of you in here, sitting here, would admit that the person next to you always thinks their opinion is right? Isn't that? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, guess what? The person sitting next to the person sitting next to you also thinks that way. We just tend to think we're right. But nonetheless, we all can admit, yeah, but God is right. Even when we think we're right, God's word is right. And we should stand for what the Bible says when we don't agree. Philippians 1:27, whatever happens, whatever happens, listen to that. Whatever happens. So somebody said, well, look what's going on in our nation. Okay. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, talking about the people of God, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. This is God calling us to, to uni unify. Let's unify around the things God has called us to. Let's unify around the word of God. Philippians 2, 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Can you see this language? It just goes on and on. 1 Peter 3, 8, finally all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous. See, this is love. This is the way the Bible talks. And then let me just hit one more. There are so many that I'm not hitting. Let me hit one more. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I urge you, I practically beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Okay, how should we do it? With all lowliness, humility, and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Notice verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You know that word endeavoring. Many years ago, I studied out that word a little bit, and it's the word spudazo, the Greek word spudazo. And uh, I like what it says in the Spirit-filled life Bible, that, that word wealth thing. It says, it means to strain every nerve. Strain every nerve, give it all you've got. Don't leave anything on the table, give it all you got. Well, give it all you got to do what? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith. Endeavoring, endeavoring. Notice again, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, actually, in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Well, I think a lot of us in the body of Christ have not done a good job straining every nerve to keep unity. When we don't see eye to eye with somebody else, we're quick to judge. We're quick to criticize. But the Bible says, no, don't do that. Strain every nerve to stay in unity. Why? Because in unity, Psalm 133 tells us, that's where the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the anointing oil flows. Our power comes through being in unity and in love with one another. So see, the enemy will get us so up in arms about political things and about certain measures and about certain things that are happening that we're even willing to turn on the people in the body of Christ, not realizing you just turned on the most influence, the most power you have. Embracing a lesser form of power, chariots and horses, you just turned on the strength of the Lord that comes through the unity of the brethren. Somebody say amen to this. We need to be careful about this. 
So the Bible tells us we need to agree. But to a large extent, you and I both know it, we don't have one mind. We don't agree in the body of Christ on so many things. In fact, while we're fighting for our nation, we're in discord with one another. In discord. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Can two walk together? We don't have to agree on every single thing, but let's agree on certain things. Let's agree that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Let's agree that he's the only way to salvation. Let's agree that God's word is truth. Let's agree that the lifestyle that God calls for in the word is the right lifestyle. And those that the Bible says are sinful lifestyles. Let's, can we agree that those are sinful lifestyles? Even if they're popular. Did you hear me? Can we agree that what the Bible calls sin is sin? Can we agree that what the Bible calls righteousness is righteous? See, we have to be able to agree on those things. Now listen to what Jesus said. Here's how important Jesus feels that unity among the body of Christ is. He said in Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, in other words, you're coming to do your ministry, you know, to honor God, to, to give your tithe or whatever. He said, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Notice it doesn't say that you have something against them. You should have already taken care of that. And so many of us, we know we should take care of that. But sometimes we don't care, take care of somebody having something against us. We think, well, that's their problem. But listen to what Jesus said. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. In other words, don't offer it yet. Don't just, don't just proceed with you and God. No, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first, first, notice the word first, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly. See, Jesus is saying, look, I want you to come and relate to me and honor me and all that. But if there's something between you and your brother, get that taken care of first so you can come with unity. He wants us to present ourselves endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Can you see how important that is to the Lord? This is so important. And right in the middle of this situation that we're in right now in our nation, the Lord wants us in the body of Christ. Let's unite together. Boy, we need to be in unity together in prayer for this nation. So we have to battle for our own unity and then we have to battle for our nation. And God wants us to do it in unity. Though not everyone will be reconciled. There are folks that we'll reach out to that have been in the church or consider themselves believers and maybe they were and maybe they are, but they will not be reconciled because they've fallen into a, a level of compromise to where they no longer will come into unity with God's word. They have, they have been altered in their thinking to where you could bring up any amount of scripture you want to, but they're not going to buy that. They have their own philosophy. They've been tainted by the world's ways and they won't listen. And so you just can't force people. You can't force people to come into unity. But should we give them an opportunity? Should we reach out to people? What's the answer? Listen, listen to what Jude verses 22 and 23 say. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. 
You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Rescue others. So you have some people whose faith is wavering. Well, they, they want to do right before God, but, but they've been, you know, they've been rocked a bit in their faith. Well, he said, show mercy to those people. And then he said, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others. Here's the third group. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their life. Show mercy to still others. There are others who they're kind of far gone in their lifestyle and such. And he says, as you're reaching out to them, he said, you have to be cautious. Why? Because your flesh is vulnerable too. And you get to hanging around some people and they'll convince you that it's all right to live a compromising life. So notice he says, show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. What's the bottom line? We need to battle in prayer for our nation, yes. But we really need to lean in and pray, Lord, unify your people. Lord, unify the body of Christ. Lord, those whose faith is wavering, those who have become maybe offended, hurt, disenfranchised. Lord, enfranchise them. Lord, pull us together in the body of Christ. Those who may have even gone off track with compromising lives, lifestyles, Lord, speak to them. Speak to them your love. Speak to them your truth. The Bible says the truth shall make you free. Isn't that right? You shall know the truth. Lord, speak your truth to them and deliver them from that. So many people can be delivered, but we need to pray. Lord, unify your people. And I tell you what happens in the midst of fire, in the midst of trials. You know what, you know what fire does? The Bible says it purifies like precious metals. You put them in the fire and the dross floats to the top and then you rake that dross off. And the Bible talks about this happening through trials in this world is that it will purify the body of Christ. And we'll try to win as many as we can to get them to stay strong in the Lord. But some who will not be willing to do it will be separated. But then what are you, what are you left with? You're left with a body that is more purified. You're left with a body that is more unified and such. And so God knows how to use every situation. Let me bring up one other verse that's not in my notes today. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. Watch this, not for the whole world, not for the whole world. Don't, don't give the impression to people who are not walking with God that this applies to them. This is, it won't be good for them. It says, and we know that all things, good things, bad things, ugly things, work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Isn't that right? to those who love God. This is us. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. So even when bad things happen, God will cause those bad situations to turn around for our good. Come on, somebody say amen to this. And we know, and we know, we know, we know. We know this will happen. We know this will happen if we'll remember the name of the Lord our God, if we'll put our trust in him. But we need to pray about these two things and I want us to close today and pray. Did you know when, when you resist that spiritual 
attack that causes you, that wants you to be muzzled, like don't speak that out. Just let 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 Pastor Jerry speak it out and you just go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But don't you just speak it out. This is a spiritual resistance that happens to try to muzzle the body of Christ and to keep us from speaking words of faith, speaking words of truth. Why? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Why? Because the sword of the spirit is the spoken word of God, the rhema of God. And he knows if we speak the word of God out in faith, it is the weapon of the spirit and it causes the demonic strategies to crumble. And it brings forth and looses the very plan and desires of God in this earth. And so that's why you always feel that resistance like, well, just don't speak out. Just, you know, just be there and nod your head, but don't don't speak words. No, we're going to speak some words today. We must speak words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We need to eat the fruit of life. We need to eat the fruit of unity. We need to eat the fruit of Jesus saving this nation. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So let's stand maybe right where you are at home. If you're in a house church or or wherever you are, if you can stand here with us, let's stand. Let's declare some things out today. We have two major battles. Yes, a battle for the unity of our nation. But also we have maybe a more consequential battle. Maybe it's a prerequisite battle where God would unify the body of Christ. And I tell you what, in tough times, the body of Christ often begins to gel. <laughs> the enemy overplays his hand. He gets out over his skis and he thinks he's going to do something bad, but God turns it around for something good. And so let's pray right now. Let's start with the body of Christ, can we? Let's pray that God will unify the people of God. There are precious brothers and sisters of ours who may see things differently than I see them or that you see them. And, you know, we're praying together, but maybe we, we don't see eye to eye on everything. Well, that's all right. Let's let's see eye to eye on the important things that there is a God who loved this world and who sent his son that the whole world might be saved. And his name is Jesus. And he is the only way to salvation. He is the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through him. And let's also agree that God sent us his word so that we might know what is right and what is wrong, what's acceptable and what is not acceptable. And let's come into unity that we need to live for God according to his word. And what his word said is right is right. And we, we say, well, that's, that's the right thing, though, because that, that's what God said. And what his word says is wrong is wrong. We need to come into unity about these basic things. And then the Lord will help us to sort through all of the other things. Because those are the major issues. That God is real. That Jesus is the only way to salvation. That the whole world needs to be saved. Everybody. And that God's word is truth. And we need to advocate to live our lives according to the word of God. Praise God. Those are powerful things. And I think most everybody agrees with that. And if we can establish those things, it's amazing how so many other things in our lives will fall into alignment under God and his savior, son, Jesus Christ and his word.
So let's come before the Lord right now. And just for the sake of us agreeing, let's humble ourselves. In fact, would you, right where you are, tell the Lord, say, Lord, I humble myself before you right now. See, we're doing what 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Lord, we humble ourselves before you right now. And we pray. We're here to seek your face. We're here to turn from our wicked ways. And Lord, you said if we would do this, that you would hear from heaven, that you would forgive our sins, that you would heal our land. Lord, we need that. But first we come and we say, Lord, forgive us. Lord, if we've said things we shouldn't have said during this election process, during this season of our nation, Lord, if we've spoken things we should not have spoken, Lord, forgive us. If we've done things we should not have done, Lord, forgive us right now. We humble ourselves before you. Oh, we need to be your people. Lord, if we have put our trust in any person or political party or money or power or whatever, instead of putting our trust in you, oh, Lord, forgive us right now. Oh, we're not, we're not gonna live like that. We're gonna live with our trust and our hope in you. You are our hope. You are our strength. You are our God. And so, Lord, forgive us for putting our trust in any other place but in you, in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, we turn our attention to the body of Christ. Let's all pray this out loud together. Say, Father God, we pray for the body of Christ, particularly in America, that you would bring unity to the body. Lord, minister to your people in such a way that we would lay down insignificant things and that we would embrace the significant issues, that you would unify us in the Holy Spirit, unify us around Jesus, unify us around the Word of God. May we have good fellowship one with another. <laughs> Lord, restore our influence. Restore our saltiness. Restore our light. That the world may see. That the world may taste. That the world may experience. You and your love. You and your truth. Unify the body of Christ, Lord. Help me to be a unifier. Help me to be a peacemaker, not a criticizer, a unifier. In the name of Jesus, bring us together, Lord. And now for our nation. Come on, let's continue praying. And now for our nation. Lord, bring peace, bring unity, expose wickedness, expose lies for what they are <laughs> and bring forth truth, bring forth justice, bring forth righteousness. Oh, may we be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. We declare this in the name of Jesus and we know that's your will. So we stand strong for that in Jesus name. Now, let me pray for all of you. Father, I pray for all who are in this body, 
all who are part of this ministry, Lord, that their hearts would be at peace. Oh, may they not be in fear. May they not worry. May they not trust in chariots and horses and certain political people or parties. Lord, may their hope be in you. May they be so confident that as the psalmist said, though the mountains be thrown into the sea, I mean, though, though everything fall apart, no, our God is with us. We will not be moved. <laughs> Praise God, we will not be moved. We shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Oh, I declare over all of us, a thousand may fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near us in the name of Jesus. We are the people of the living God and God protects us. His angels have been given charge over us. And Lord, we're not even satisfied with that. We want to see the effect on our nation. So Lord, bless your people. Keep us in faith, in your power, in your wisdom, in your ability, in the name of Jesus. Protect us, Lord, but also, Lord, cause us to be in unity, that our nation may be affected in such a way that the enemy's plots will fail. <laughs> no matter how much money the enemy puts into it, no matter how much destruction has happened. Lord, you said, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. Lord, do that for our nation. Do that for our nation. Do that for our nation. Oh, we pray for a miracle in our nation, bringing us back to the glory that once was as one nation under God. And Lord, yet even more by your power. We stand for it. Oh, we stand for it. We call for it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we cast our care on you. And according to your word, you said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Lord, in the middle of all that's going on, we rejoice in you. Not in politics. <laughs> They're important. But Lord, we rejoice in you. Our hope is in you. We are not of this world. We are not of this world, but while we're here, we're going to influence for your kingdom. But Lord, our hope is in you. We rejoice in you today. And we pray it in Jesus name. And let's say amen. Those of you here, come on, let's clap our hands in agreement today. Amen. Praise God. Don't you walk in fear. Don't you walk in any fear. No. We don't have to watch the news to find out if we're going to be okay. No, we look in God's word and we say, we're going to be okay. Praise God. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear how much evil? No evil. Why? For you are with me. <laughs> God is with us. Praise God. God is with us. We have absolutely nothing to be concerned about. We have much to look forward to. God is on the move. And by the way, God is working in ways that you don't even see. He is working. And every time we pray, God's moving. 
God's moving. It takes a while to have it manifest sometimes, but God is moving. Our God is a good God. And guess what? He's on our side. <laughs> he is on our side. So be blessed, be full of hope, be full of joy and confidence that amidst all that's going on, the people of God are going to move forward. The Bible says you shall go out with joy and be led forth, forth with peace. So let's go out today with joy and let's be led forth with peace. And we declare it today in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. and amen. God bless you and we'll see you next week.